welcome to Silk Digital Marketing Mastery, your go-to podcast for elevating your digital marketing success as a female business owner. I'm your host, Sam, founder of Silk Digital, with over six years of experience working with clients from startups to established brands. Each week, my guests and I will provide insider knowledge and expert guidance on social media, email marketing, digital advertising, and more. On this show, you can expect to learn how to create irresistible marketing messages that connect with your dream customers, establish an unbreakable brand identity that they can't help but trust, and develop a holistic approach to your marketing that supports your business goals. I know that as a female entrepreneur, you face unique challenges when it comes to building your brand and growing your business. That's why I'm here to provide you with the tools, strategies, and insights you need to take control of your marketing and achieve your goals. So whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, this podcast is for you. Get ready to learn, be inspired, and take your digital marketing game to the next level. Hi friends, welcome back to the Silk Digital Marketing Mastery Podcast. I'm excited to bring you another guest episode today. I've been so lucky to interview some amazing ladies lately. And today's guest is Amanda from Sweet Darlin. So Sweet Darlin is a sweet treats shop, I guess you would call it, where Amanda creates these gourmet marshmallows, wagon wheels, cookie batter, all these really amazing, unique sweets and sells them online. She, as I said, creates everything herself in her shop in Cheltenham. And she has such a amazing, inspiring mindset. And just the way she approaches business, I feel we really dive deep in that in today's episode. And she chats about how you know quickly she was able to grow the business throughout COVID and what the catalyst was behind that. And being a marketing podcast, of course, we touch on social media marketing. So Amanda shares her experience and how she overcomes any mindset battles with showing up online because she is so consistent and does produce such great content. We talk about going live on TikTok and Instagram and the difference between each platform. I feel like you're going to get so much value and inspiration from this episode I certainly did, and I really loved having this chat with Amanda. So without further ado, let's get into today's episode. Well, welcome, Amanda. I'm so excited to have you on the podcast today. Before we, I suppose, just to kick things off, I want to let everybody know who you are and what you do. So tell me about yourself. So my name is Amanda, and I am the founder of Sweet Darlin. Sweet Darlin specializes in, I guess, delicious sweet treats. So we make uh, marshmallows and wagon wheels and cookie dough. That's kind of what we're known for. And yeah, that's it. Amazing. And so how long have you been, you know, in like in the business and how did you get to where you are? Yeah. So it's, I always sort of stutter on that question because I don't know, do I pick the day that I like first started <laughs> or do I pick the day that I quit my job and things like that? But basically I started Sweet Darling in March, 2020, and I left my full-time job in September-ish, 2020. So somewhere around there, so we're at like the three, three and a half year mark in business. That's amazing. And with like what you were doing before you went full-time into Sweet Darling, what did that look like? Were you, you know, working as a chef? Were you in a different industry? So I guess I'm 30 now. So in my 20s, I had so many different jobs. I did, like you name it, I did it. I think I worked as a checkout chick. I worked in a restaurant as a waitress. I was a dental nurse. I also worked as a nanny. And then right before Sweet Dallin, I was working at a digital marketing agency. So that was a really nice kind of, it wasn't anything related to what I wanted to do, but it did (laughs) definitely support me in moving into what I wanted to do. And 
honestly, Sweet Darling's pretty random in terms of owning a food business. I've always wanted to have my own business. That's definitely been a goal of mine. And I've definitely had some false starts and some other business ideas that haven't done as well as Sweet Darling. But yeah, so in the lead up to Sweet Darling, I wasn't doing anything related to food and I never have. Yeah, amazing. So how did you then get into food? If I mean, like going from digital marketing and then, you know, being a nanny and things like that, like this also, I guess, so different, which mm-hmm. is great. I, I think for just experience, like doing different things, I'm all for that. But then, yeah, how did you like then lead into going into food? Yeah. So I think definitely having a large variety of jobs in my 20s really helped me out when it did come time to do Sweet Darling and when I did finally land on a business idea that worked for me. But in terms of getting started with Sweet Darling, my sister actually had the idea to do marshmallows and I was working at um, the agency at the time and then COVID started and I had a lot of time at home. And so we started together. Uh, My sister has three beautiful children. So she is booked and busy and she's no longer (laughs) in the business because it just got very uh, full on very, very quickly. But Basically, yeah, my sister had the idea of doing um, marshmallows and then we like sort of joined forces and it just grew from there. I love it. It's so like different, you know, and I like how you call it gourmet marshmallows as well. I feel like it's such a good business idea. Do you think like because it is quite unique that that's why the business like took off so quickly or like what do you think the calluses behind that was? So I do remember back when we started Sweet Darling and my sister and I were talking about it and she was making the marshmallows and she was like, you know, do you want to do this with me? And things like that. I remember discussing specifically that we needed our product like with her to be uh, Instagrammable yeah. and we, and that sort of thing. So we had discussions around that. And I think that uh, being aware of how we were going to market our business when we were developing the product was key because we sort of knew like, okay, well, we're going to be you know, we don't have a marketing budget, so we're going to be growing this organically. So we need our product to uh, encourage people to post. Like, you know, when they receive it, we want them to open the box and take photos because it's so cute. And we want people to be curious about what they are. We want them to be eye-catching and things like that because we knew we were going to be relying on organic marketing. Yeah. That- and so, yeah, that's kind of how I think, I think having the perspective to kind of see that and like put that in the core of the business was a really good decision. And then I also think that lockdown really helped. So it's crazy to think about now, but I remember when we first started selling our marshmallows, we would literally post on Instagram the flavors and things, and then people would DM us what they wanted. We'd (laughs) put that into a spreadsheet and we'd get their email and we'd send them an invoice, which is just wild to me. I don't know who was ordering, (laughs) but that was lockdown, right? Like we really, we didn't have time to set up a website because you know like lockdown happened and then it went really really quickly and then yeah so at that time I think people were really open to the idea of like they were looking for something to buy they were looking for something to like kind of preoccupy them but they were spending a lot of time on social media and it just seemed to be this really unique moment in time where people were open to like a small business in a way that I don't know if they would be now do you know what I mean like I don't know if I would have people DMing me if I was like, hey, DM me to order. Do you know what I mean? Like, I just think it was a really unique time with lockdown and everyone being at home and on the internet and looking for something. Yeah. And something unique and different. And like you said, I think during those times and, you know, obviously still now people are huge on supporting small business, but more specifically then Mm -hmm. it was like truly just like the stars that aligned in a way. But in saying that, like, 
not many people would have the intention to go into business and like start it off like you have where you're already preempting it to be, you know, Instagrammable and making it like that whole experience. So Mm -hmm. do you feel like with your, I don't know, past experience working for an agency or just other roles or do you feel like you've just like, where did that idea come from? So I think that I had always known I wanted to have my own business. And like I said before, I had a lot of false starts. I had, I, you know, I used to yeah. make weld and make furniture and I thought I was going to sell that on Etsy. And, you know, I um, made DIY kits at one point and sold those online. Like I did just so many different things and through like trying and failing and trying and failing, I think I just learned that it doesn't matter how good your product is if you can't get people to want it, if you can't get it out there, if you can't get people to be interested, you've got no product. Like there's no business, basically. You have a product, but you have no business. And so I had learned that, you know, like I'd spent so much time in the past developing my product or what I thought the customer wanted and obsessing over like the, like all the details of like, you know, the packaging and like just getting bogged down in the product before I'd taken it to market and gotten any feedback. And so I knew that, I couldn't spend all of my time like obsessing about getting the product perfect. I knew that Mm -hmm. I needed to make it eye-catching. I needed to make it something that I could post about, but I just needed to get it out there like ASAP and then use the feedback to develop on that. And so I think my previous attempts at starting a business has really helped. I think being like working in marketing and seeing other people try to start businesses gave me a little bit of insight as well, because I would see people making you know, like those kinds of mistakes, like getting bogged down in developing this concept without getting any market feedback or creating a product, but the product, you know, like is, it just falls flat. It's so hard to take photos of. It's so hard to create engagement around. And so, yeah, there was a lot of different things that I think kind of like led up to this perfect storm of starting Sweet Darling. Yeah, that's amazing. I feel like having that past experience, as you said, but just Also like being open to the feedback, because I think a lot of the time, you know, as business owners, sometimes uh, like we're a bit, we don't like criticism. So it's either you take it on board and like, you know, make the changes and and you look at it in a a constructive way, or, Mm -hmm. you know, some people just will shut off and be like, no, my product is great as, as it is. And then realize, well, no, actually no one's buying it. And there could be a reason why if I listened, how did you kind of like, what was the feedback you were getting in the early stages? And then how did you go sort of adapting your product? Mm. I think if you're someone that doesn't take negative feedback, well, business probably isn't for you because I tell you, you definitely get it. You definitely get negative feedback. Yeah. I think that knowing that I was going to get negative feedback made it a little bit easier for me because I'd seen Mm -hmm. other people, I'd had, you know, other products that I tried to make and things like that. So in the early days of the product, um, so at the very, very start, we just did marshmallows for the first like couple of months. Mm -hmm. And one of the major challenges that we have was packaging because we have this unique shape product, you know, it's this like dome shape and most people, I mean, everybody else who makes marshmallows makes them square they make it in a slab and they cut it up whereas we do our dome shape and so that was like our point of difference that was what was making our product stand out but it made it really really hard to package and so we got a lot of feedback of like you know we would send boxes of 20 marshmallows and you know when we put them in the post they were all laying perfectly flat inside of this box but by the time they got there they were all jumbled and some people don't care some people like Mm -hmm. great can't wait to eat this other people you know email you and they're like I want a refund because they're jumbled Mm -hmm. and you're like well, well, you know, and so that was like one of the things that 
I think we could have got bogged down in and obsessed over and been like, well, we don't have the right packaging, so we can't send them out. And luckily we didn't do that. We just sort of like rolled with it. And we had such positive feedback on the product in terms of like taste and things like that, that we were able to kind of like ride that to the point where we were actually able to afford custom packaging and things like that. And we, you know, we got feedback on our, on our recipe even. Yeah, wow. So when we started, our recipe wasn't perfect. It really wasn't. Um, there was a couple of different versions of the marshmallow recipe that we did. But again, it's just like, I think if we had have waited until everything was perfect, we would have missed the boat. Mm-hmm. I read this book right before we started Sweet Darling and like right just, just before lockdown. And it's called uh, The Obstacle is the Way by Ryan Holiday. And it is my favorite book of all time. And I do credit a lot of Sweet Darling to that book because it's all about basically like the challenges that are ahead of you being the things that lead you on the path to your ultimate success and things like that. And so like looking down the barrel of COVID and no one knowing what was happening. And I remember at work, like all of our clients were like seizing up, no one was spending money mm-hmm. and being able to see that as an opportunity and jump on that and take the feedback on and like sort of like, I guess, risk not being perfect in order to seize the opportunity that was ahead of us that other people were seeing as an obstacle. Yeah, I love that. I'll have to definitely check that book out and I'm going to leave it's, it in the show notes for anybody else that wants to. It's such a good book. Anything by <laughs> Ryan Holiday is very good. Amazing. I will have a look. But you're so right because I find so many people and even myself in the early days, you're so critical and waiting for everything to be perfect. But honestly, like from what I've learned too is nothing ever is ending up perfect and you're just going to be wasting so much time. Like Sweet Down is still not perfect. Yeah. You and, know, three and a half yeah. years later. And I feel if as business owners we get to the point where we think everything is perfect, you stop growing and mm-hmm. you kind of just stay stagnant. And I think there's a risk in searching for perfection in like a little silo, right? So like you're looking for perfection of what you think your customer wants mm-hmm. and the chances that you're on the wrong path are so high. And I know, <laughs> I know that people don't like to hear that because they're like, no, no, I know what people want. And they think, but like, we thought our biggest problem was our recipe, but the biggest right. problem that we had was actually our packaging. Yeah. You know, and it's like, but we could have spent just so much time and so much money on, you know, hiring people to help us with our recipe or, you know, more time developing the recipe. But that was actually ended up needing to be spent on packaging first. That's, you know, and things like that. I don't know. I just think that there's a massive risk to not putting your product out there. First of all, Mm -hmm. someone else might come up with your idea and do it first. And there's nothing worse than that (laughs) when you see something that you're like, I thought of that and I didn't do it. And now it's, you know. Yeah. And then the other part is that you have a narrow perspective and that limits your success because you don't actually get the appropriate feedback to make the right decisions. Yeah, for sure. And I love that. You, yeah. Like I said, you guys were so open to that. And I feel if you're not asking, you know, doing a market research, then you are probably potentially wasting money on the wrong things and wondering why mm-hmm. your business isn't growing. So just going back to when, you know, you were working full-time in your nine-to-five job, mm. what, like, and I know, you know, a lot of people starting businesses have that where they're doing their business on the side and working full-time. How did you know that it was the right time for you to leave your job and that, like, financial security and and go into your business full-time? So we'd been doing the business since March pretty seriously, and then in September, it was Father's Day, and mm-hmm. we made our wagon wheels for the first time. And they went absolutely like insane. My 
apartment, I remember at one point we had like packaging in the hallway so you could only walk down the hallway sideways. <laughs> and like our house was so full with like packing peanuts and boxes and ingredients, like buckets and buckets and buckets of glucose stacked to the ceiling. And I remember Lockie and I uh, were sitting down to have dinner. We'd ordered pizza and there was no surface available in our entire house for us to sit at other than our bed. Oh my gosh. And so that was a wild time. So we had that. It went absolutely nuts. We made so much money that I, like, I remember watching the Shopify and just being like, having difficulty, like understanding how much, like how many orders it was and how long it was going to take us to make them. And (laughs) we ended up having to cut it off. Oh, wow. And that's been something that's happened to us continuously in Sweet Darling is that we have been fortunate enough to you know, like launch products or uh, do things around holidays and occasions and stuff and actually have to cut them off because we actually can't keep up with the volume. So that was so exciting. And then off the back of that, I was like, oh, this is real. Like if I really, really, really wanted to, and if I really push myself, I think I can do it. And I don't know in hindsight, whether that was actually the best time to quit my job or not, who knows? I, at the time had another job offer at another agency that would have been a like better paid and higher role and all that sort of thing. And so that was Mm -hmm. kind of competing and it became this question of like, do I take this other job? And, you know, like, I mean, you know, when you start a new job, it's like the first three months, you're just like so focused on work and you have to really put in 110% to be able to keep up and to learn quickly and to be successful. And so I knew that if I went and took on this other role in an agency, Sweet Darling would really fall behind because I wouldn't be able to give it the attention because I would need to sort of rise to the new role that I was taking Mm -hmm. on at work. And so it became an A or B kind of thing. It's like, do I take this new job? And the other thing was, it was really good money. And I was like, you know, do I take this new job and get the money? And, you know, I could, I could potentially use that extra money to put into Sweet Darling or do I like skip that opportunity? Because sometimes like also the money kind of feels like a trap. And Mm -hmm. I did worry about that. Like if I took that other job, and I was making good money, would it be even harder for me to leave and pursue Sweet Island full-time? Because that would be like, you know, instead of making my current salary and, you know, like having to pull that out of the business, I'd have to pull out even more and that would take even longer. So I just had this this worry about that, that like the other job and the the money and the time was going to prevent me from being able to focus on Sweet Island. And so... I chose to leave and do Sweet Darling. And I don't know if it was the best decision as in like, you know, financially and all of that sort of thing, but I'm usually pretty impulsive. And so I definitely made the like decision that everybody else thought I shouldn't, but chose to do Sweet Darling full time. That's amazing. I love that. Like look at you now and I feel there's never like a right time for you know, when to make that decision. You've just mm-hmm. got to take the risk. And I was a bit the same. Like I was, I, I'm a bit like you where I'm a bit impulsive and I'm like, I got this idea and I'm like, no, I'm just, I'm going to make it work. Like I want to do this and worst case scenario, you can always go back and get another job. Right. Well, so it. it's kind of like you, I feel you just like, I seen this quote the other day and it was like, when you're coming to a, a making that like crossroads decision, it's like, what will you regret not doing on your mm. deathbed. And I'm like, oh, I like that. I mean, maybe it can be taken a little bit too far sometimes, but like when it comes to, I feel making those big decisions, it's something to really like just sit on anyway. 
So I think it depends on what kind of person you are. I, I see yeah. a lot of people give the advice of like, you know, never quit your full-time job until your side hustle is matching your salary and all of those sort of things. I'm like, that is really smart advice. Like that's smart. <laughs> yeah. But I think some people just aren't that smart and I'm one of them. I think you have to ask yourself what kind of person you are. So is, yeah. is it like quitting your job, taking the risk, going, going to like, and the fear of failure and like, cause you know, there was a very good chance I'd have to go and get a job in six months time. Mm. Is that fear of failure and the pressure of that going to prevent you from succeeding or drive you to succeed? And I don't think there's anything wrong with being someone who's like, yeah, that's too much pressure for me. I need to build this up and I need to know like as a guarantee. Yeah. But for me, I think that there's another group of people and I think I'm in that group where the fear of failure really drives you and yeah. so I knew that it was like I kind of knew that it was a bad decision on paper <laughs> but I knew that I would make it work I always say to my friends when they are you know we're talking about stuff like oh I think I want to do this or I think I want to do that or you know like did you die <laughs> you know what I mean like <laughs> yeah. it can't be that bad like unless the outcome is like you know, you're dead and it's all over. Like, it's not that bad. And that's yeah. how I felt about Sweet Down. I'm like, okay, so worst case scenario, I have to go and get a job at another agency. Yeah, exactly. And I'm sure at that time, I mean, with COVID too, I don't know, I was at an agency at the same time and it was a bit like the digital world sort of really took off. So there were plenty of agency digital marketing jobs around at the time. So I'm sure it wouldn't have been an issue to kind of go back, but it's amazing that you didn't have to go down that path and now like you've opened a store and did you do that during lockdown or was that like much? so yeah 2020 we were in my apartment in Elwood which I love that apartment it was amazing just me and my husband and like I said it got to the point where it was just like overrun by sweet darling like you couldn't sit down you couldn't walk down the hallway like I remember our neighbor came to visit one day and I couldn't open the door because like it took me like 10 minutes to get everything out of the way to open the door. It was insane. So then at the very sort of like end of 2020, we moved to a bigger house out in the Burbs. And I didn't like the area so much, but the house was really good because I had this like massive kitchen, lounge room area, and that was all taken over by Sweet Darling. <laughs> and then sort of like 12 months later from that, we signed the lease on our shop that we have now. Uh, and that was an interesting experience to say the least. I think if I ever had any doubt that I wanted to do Sweet Darling and that I was going to give it everything I have to make it work. The shop proved to me that I definitely want to do it because it was really, 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 really tough. So we signed the lease at the start of 2022. And I sort of thought, like, I talked to my dad about it. I talked to the agent, you know, I spoke to some, I got some advice from some surveyors and things like that. And I sort of thought like, okay, yeah, cool. This is probably going to take us six to eight weeks to do the renovation. And ultimately it ended up taking about seven months Wow! and it was brutal. It was actually awful. Uh, it was really, really hard. And I think that's something that a lot of people like, I'm going to say that I don't think that business owners don't talk about it, but I think that people who want to start a business don't want to think about it. But sometimes mm. it's really, 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 really hard. And during that time, like during the renovation of the shop, it was brutal. It was absolutely brutal. And was it the stress of, because you were obviously still running your business while renovating, was mm -hmm. it just how hard the whole renovation was and like the building aspect of it? Or like what was, I suppose, the hardest part with that whole time? So what happened was we ended up getting 
into some like uh, IGA stores and things like that. So we were like, oh my God, we're growing. This is crazy. This is amazing. We're going to be, you know, like it's all happening. And so there's sort of like limitations on how much you can do as a food business from home before the council's mm. like, mm, don't love that. And right. so we knew that in order to be able to sort of sustain that kind of customer and that volume, we needed to get a shop. And so that's how we came to the decision. And then we weren't, you know, Sweet Dallin as a business has always done you know, pretty well, but doesn't mean we were like rolling in it, especially personally. And so I had to make the decision about like, well, how was I going to do it? You know, how was I going to keep up? And I basically, in my mind, I was like, okay, I'm going to make all of this stuff and I'm going to have it aside so I can run the business like the day to day. And then I should only have like maybe like a couple of weeks where we're actually closed. But Mm -hmm. it ended up being basically that by the time we like signed the lease and we got in, we ended up basically shutting the business because we moved out of our old location because we couldn't, like the business couldn't afford two lots of rent. And then instead of taking, like I said, you know, six to eight weeks, it took seven months. So we basically shut down for like seven months. Oh, wow. Yeah. It was awful because I had this huge order and luckily, you know, like they were like, yep, we'll wait for you. That's no worries. But I don't think they thought it was going to be like seven months. (laughs) And then, so I had that like, kind of like creating this like feeling of anxiety of like what if they find something else what if when I finally get back to them they're annoyed that it's been so long what Mm. if they change their mind so there was that and like that was the whole premise of getting the shop in the first place and being like yeah we can afford this and then basically what held us back with the shop was that normally when you do something like that you have a designer or like a like an architect or something, and you have a draftsman and you have a surveyor and you have a um, like project manager builder. I had me and my dad and the world's nicest, most amazing surveyor, but (laughs) it was really, really hard because yeah, there were so many things that came up that weren't supposed to be problems that ended up being problems. Things like, you know, buyer doors that we were told we wouldn't need that we ended up needing. Mm. And it was just, yeah, it was really, really brutal. We had like one guy, I paid a draftsman to do the initial plans because you were like, you required those by the building guidelines. And he like took the money and didn't get back to me for like six weeks. Wow. The fire door took eight weeks to be made because it's all custom. And so there was just so much stuff that like, cause when I went into it, I did all this research. I talked to my dad. I talked to these like surveyors. I talked to all of these people. So I felt like I had a pretty good idea of what was going to happen. And then within about like four weeks, I realized that I was completely just wrong. I had no idea what was going to happen. And so it got really daunting. And I think, you know, the truth is that there's a big part of it where I was almost experiencing like overwhelm and like decision Mm. paralysis because Mm. there was, you know, the also like the part of like, well, you've got to pay for all of this, right? So, you know, fire doors are expensive and draftsmen are expensive and um you know getting dispensations and getting getting you know like walls checked for their rating and all of that sort of stuff is very expensive and so I almost had like paralysis of like I couldn't make any decisions because I was so scared of making the wrong decision and spending money on things I didn't need to spend money on or spending money wrong and then like not arriving at an outcome where I could finish the shop Mm. And so it was really, really tough and because I'm doing this whole thing, you know, like essentially by myself, nobody was, you know, reading over contracts or looking at the building code other than me and, you know, this like surveyor who really helped me out. And then 
my dad and I, in the meantime, are tiling the floor and painting the walls and it was just, yeah, it was full on. That's crazy. Do you Mm -hmm. think had you have known like the intensity and stress and all of that, like you wouldn't have gone through with it? No, I definitely would. I think that the challenge of it was like, it was very reaffirming for me in a way on the other side. So like at the time, awful, brutal, hated it. But (laughs) afterwards and now looking back, I'm like, I know I want to do Sweet Darling. I know that this is this is something that can sustain me for a really long time. It's something that I enjoy. It's something that I love. And the challenge is what I love about business. Like, and so it just really reaffirmed all of that for me because it was so hard. And I remember like, you know, people in my personal life saying things like, well, if the shop opens (laughs) and one of my favorite people ever is Michael Jordan. And he always talks about how like, he kind of like gets like angry at people and uses that as fuel. And I just remember being so angry and that kind of like driving me to to get there and to actually finish the shop but it was really 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 hard but ultimately very affirming and now that we have it it's great the shop front's still not open but don't talk to me about that um but we use the kitchen out the back yeah we use the kitchen out the back to produce all of our product and then the shop front I've got some ideas for I've just got to execute them well, it's exciting. I can't wait to to hear more about that and yeah. see it all come to fruition. Yeah. But I do really love your perspective on, because some people that would have been it, like they would have given up, but mm-hmm. to say that, you know, that was affirming for you and you just have that, like, yeah, using that fuel of everyone else being like, mm, no, if it opens or, you know, kind of just not, be- not to say that they didn't believe in you, but I definitely know that feeling of people that are kind of, you know, they have their little sly comments. So using that as, yeah, fuel to just keep yeah. going and just almost be like, I'm going to show you. Like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think there were people around me who were just like, kind of, you know, like scared for me. I think it was, yeah. it was big. And I had like, you know, taken on this project that I have no experience in. I've never even worked in a commercial kitchen before. And here I am designing one. No, that's so cool though, because again, like you either learn from it and, and you obviously have, and you've got that experience now and it, sometimes in different ways, like you don't even realize what, you know, going through that might even then help with down the track or mm. it's just like, I think big risk can come with big reward. And I feel like it has in your case. Yeah. And I mean, there was no version of the story where I didn't do it, mm-hmm. but doesn't mean it wasn't difficult. And I think it's yeah. like, it's just like. I think it's important to be kind of honest about that because I get so many, I get messages from people being like, you know, I've got like a home cake business and I'd love to have a shop. And I'm like, I would love you to have a shop, but like be ready. And I wish I, yeah, maybe, I don't know, maybe I wish I had have known. Mm, I don't know. I don't, I don't have any regrets about it, but it was really tough. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Let's just like kind of wind it back to the the growth of it all. And I know like you're huge on TikTok and Instagram and like I love what you're doing on your social media mm-hmm. how like has do you think that's been a big thing for you and the growth of the business mm-hmm. especially in the early days like and what did that like marketing I suppose look like for you yeah so definitely our success is you know pretty much almost entirely due to organic growth and using like social media and things like that to promote the business I I don't know I think I Again, I think just working in agency and having that perspective and knowing that like the only way I was going to get my business out there with no money was organically. And so I think making that a focus for the business from day one was really important. 
Yeah, amazing. And did you, I don't know if we've had this conversation before, but had you used like influencers or was it predominantly Mm -hmm. you taking your own photography videos and uploading it? Because I know like this content that you're putting out is just such high quality. Has that all been you producing that? Mm -hmm. So we do use influencers and we've had a lot of success with that. And then we... I have a friend who has done all of our photography. Um, her name is Amber. She's incredible. And so all of the Sweet Dylan photography is her. And then all of the reels and stuff I make myself. Has that something that like with showing up on social and creating the content like that you do yourself, has that been easy for you or was that something that like, you know, was a challenge in the early days? It's, uh, I think it was easier in the early days because in the early days it was like Instagram stories and Instagram and like TikTok was kind of there and I was using it a little bit. And so I think it was easier back in the day. It's harder now. It's more demanding now. And Mm -hmm. it's a constant like ebb and flow for me. Like sometimes I'm like on my game. I'm like, yeah, killing it. Um, (laughs) And then other times I really struggle. Like this week I haven't been posting that much because we have so much going on in the business And it's really hard to film and it's really hard Mm. to remember to film and to Mm. want to film and all of that sort of thing. So yeah, it definitely ebbs and flows for me, but the correlation to our sales and to the business's growth is so direct. It's not even funny. Really? And the line is right there. (laughs) The proof is in the pudding. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It's very, very obvious. And so like, if I don't post for a while, I'm like, God damn it. Oh, yeah. You're like, is it something else? Yeah. Yeah. Lego, you've heard it here first, people. Social media marketing is very it does important. work. I know. I hear a lot. I hear a lot of because, like, I you know, I talk to a lot of people who have businesses, and I have friends who have businesses, and I think a lot of people talk negatively, and they're like, "Oh, you know, like posting all the time, like it's like you know, it's not going to make that much of a difference, and you know, like I have no reach on my account, and you know, I don't have that many followers, and all of those sorts of things." And I just, I don't know. I I think that. When I hear that kind of thing, I'm like, mm, is that true? Or are you using that as an excuse because you don't, you're not being consistent and you're not trying that hard mm. with it? Or like, you don't feel like you want to try that hard with it, or it's not how you envision your business uh, being successful. Like you don't want to use social media to do that. And like, that's fine. But um, if you're a small business, it's kind of, that's going to be a big challenge for you. But yeah, I hear that a lot where people are like, oh, you know, it doesn't work. I don't have a big enough following. I see nothing when I post or whatever. And I'm just, I'm like, mm, maybe you're not posting the right thing. Maybe you're not posting often enough. You know, there has to be something because I, yeah, it definitely does work. So yeah, when I hear that, I'm always like, mm, what's going on over here? Yeah. I love, you're just so real straight down the line. Like, no, it's, and you know, obviously me doing what I do, it is so true. It's like, yeah. How consistent are you being? What are you posting? Are you actually like, I know not everybody has to enjoy it, but I feel like the more you do, the more you just try and like even just practicing like posting and using it as practicing, especially when it comes to like, um, you know, sharing content of yourself and, you know, having to put yourself out there in those ways. It's it's not easy to first do it, Mm -hmm. but, you know. It's not easy to keep doing it. That's the truth. Like, you know, we I've had times where I'm, you know, filming a day in the life all the time and I'm posting really regularly and that's like a piece of content that does really well for us. And then I might go like two or three weeks without posting one because it's a lot on top Mm -hmm. of everything else in business. That is a lot. And so, yeah, I don't know. I think it's a, I understand where the hesitation comes from and I understand that it's difficult, but I also think that having a business is difficult and Mm -hmm. being successful is difficult. And that's a part of it. 
and kind of just like the acceptance around that of like, well, if I want my business to be successful, I'm going to have to do things that get me outside of my comfort zone. Cause I, you know, I'm not someone who, you know, loves to take selfies and post, you know, definitely don't want to film myself all the time, but I do it because I know that I need to be outside of my comfort zone in order for my business to be successful. A hundred percent. Like I couldn't agree with you anymore. And it is so daunting and overwhelming, especially, um, the first time you do it, like, I think I've spoken about this before where I filmed like my very first Instagram story and it took me a million times and like, I would cringe. I wouldn't ever rewatch it now, but <laughs> yeah. it's not something easy. And it's just like having that, I don't know if you've experienced this too, but you know, especially in the early days for me, it was like that fear of judgment and things like that. But I don't know, to overcome that, I found like, well, this person that I went to school with, you know, 10 years ago is, mm-hmm. that could potentially be looking that I'm potentially worried about, they're not helping me pay my bills. They're not no. like, so it's kind of just like, just do it, like put mm-hmm. yourself out there and, and give it your best shot. It's so funny. I actually had um, someone who I went to high school with uh, turn up on one of my TikTok lives last week and she oh, was commenting. Yeah. She's like, hey, we went to high school together. Um, I didn't die. So it'll be fine, everybody. But it's true. Like it happens to me where, yeah, I see people or I see like, uh, cause like, you know, through my Shopify and stuff, like obviously I'm, I um, grew up in Shepparton. And so, you know, when I see someone from Shepparton order, chances are I'm like, oh yeah, I know who that is. And yeah. so it's like, you know, people I went to high schools with mums are ordering. Um, and I see that and I'm like, oh, but yeah. Did you die? No. Like, yeah, I think, exactly. I think I get the fear of judgment, but it's mind over matter. Mm-hmm. I also think it's like, it's like a a muscle or a tolerance thing, right? Mm -hmm. So when I started out posting, I did feel kind of self-conscious and stuff like that. But as time's gone on and I've realized that it doesn't matter. And yeah, like, you know, there was someone on my, on my TikTok live a week ago that I went to high school with and I didn't die and it didn't change anything about my day-to-day life. And, you know, I'm sure people have talked about Sweet Dial and have been like, oh, it's so random or, you know, isn't that cringe or whatever. And it's like, I mean... My husband and I work, you know, full time in a business that we started ourselves. And, you know, so I guess it's like what I have to remind myself about is that it's like, doesn't matter what people are saying about you. It's like, what are you getting out of it? Because it's irrelevant. Exactly. And then I guess like when you're starting out, I can see how it's like, well, I'm getting nothing out of it. Like I could do this and embarrass myself and post about it and then fail. And I think the fear of failure stops people from doing anything and that's that's failure that's real mm-hmm. failure like if you allow the fear of failure to stop you from trying that is ultimate failure and I think about this and I've said it many many times like sweet darling will not fail because I won't quit so there's no failure because I won't quit it just I, I just I have such a strong resolve around that and I know it to be true because I know myself and I know the commitment that I have to business and and to my goals and so I don't worry very much about what people think or if it's cringy or you know if I'm going to fail because it's like even if I fail at this thing or that thing or you know I embarrass myself or whatever it's not going to matter because I will get to the other side and Sweet Allen will continue and eventually you know I'll be past the point of failure. I love that and I feel like when we have those moments and and this is something I tell myself too, is like, it says more about those people, you know, that are thinking it's cringe or having the comment, like it says more about them than it does about, you know, us and, mm-hmm. and 
I just like back to how you were saying, you know, you and your husband have created this business and you're working full time and, and you're loving what you do too. Like, I think that's a big thing where these people that are even like, you know, at the point where you have celebrities or, you know, big business people that are getting trolled and things, it's these people that are miserable in their own lives that tend to be the ones that are passing judgment and things Mm -hmm. like that. So it's almost like, I don't know if you feel the same way too, but sometimes it's like that you kind of feel a bit sorry for them because, you know, you're out here doing what you love every day. And no, it's not easy all the time, but it's just you get to enjoy your life and create something meaningful and, you know, just have fun. Whereas, yeah, these people are just keyboard warriors behind, you know. Yeah. I mean, I think it's like, I think it's like you don't think about them, right? It's like, why would you think about someone who doesn't matter? Why would you think about someone who doesn't have a handle or any impact on your day-to-day life? They're not your customer. They're not your friend. They're not like, they're nobody to you. And I think realizing that and labeling, it's like, that sounds savage. Like that is (laughs) savage, but it's true. They're nobody, like they're nobody to you. It's not, that's not a dig. That's not mean. They're nobody to you. And why would you care what nobody thinks? Exactly. Yeah. I love that. I just want to go back to, you mentioned about being like on TikTok live and Mm. I've set a goal to go live this by the end of the month on TikTok. I've never done it before. Yeah. So oh, we should do one together. Yeah, that would be fun. Yeah. Yeah. But how like how have you I don't, um, this is probably more of a selfish question for myself, but mm. you know, if anyone else out there wants to know about going live, like have you seen that really help your account and like do you have a particular like I don't know, do you pre-plan what you're going to talk about in your lives? Like how does it really work? I'm really intrigued. Mm. I think yeah, I think in the same way that I, you know, just like kind of quit my job uh, against, you know, the best advice, <laughs> I go live and I have no plan and it is crazy. So I guess I started going live because I was like, again, like, you know, what's the risk? Like, do, you know, am I going to die? Is anything going to happen to me? Like, yes, it's live, but live from my, you know, my shop in a room by myself, like nothing's yeah. going to happen. Yeah. And it is really, really fun. I actually enjoy being live. I think it's I think it's fun. I like to interact with my audience and things like that. But yeah, I don't have a plan. I I don't even test the product. So I usually do a product live every single week and I don't typically test the product that I'm going to make. I've been on live before. So I'm starting to do some stuff around cakes. Yeah. And I'm not a cake maker. And so I've been practicing, you know, like my buttercream skills and things like that. And I, you know, have gone live before and and like I made my first or my second cake that I've ever made on live. Wow. Because I'm like, what's going to happen? No one expects me to be perfect. And I think that's the thing. It's like perfection isn't what people are looking for. There's plenty of, you know, like fake perfect people in the world. Um, And so, you know, like I think that would be scary as a business, you know, as a food business and as a, and like I plan on selling these cakes. I think it's kind of scary to get like the idea to go live and be like, hey, I have no idea what I'm doing but I've got this new product idea that I want to try and I'm going to make it with you on live. And the real time feedback is amazing. And the the connection with your customers and with your followers is amazing. Yeah. It, it, I was going to say, it's just that connection where you are like, they just feel like they're there with you making it. And it just really not to say that your brand isn't humanized already, but like it just adds that. Yeah. Literally just connection is like the key for mm-hmm. doing that. But I like that you're just not, pre-planning and jumping on and, and yeah making that. and because like nothing you know like like so the cake doesn't turn out or the biscuits are, you know like what like I don't like what is what's going to happen you know what yeah, I mean like nothing yeah. nothing's going to happen nothing's going to go like yeah I don't know I think worst case scenario is you, is you die and if 
you don't <laughs> die, then you should probably just do it because you'll be fine. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But yeah, so lives are really, really fun. I really enjoy them because, you know, up until, I mean, my husband's been working full time in the business for the last four weeks. But before that, you know, 12 hours a day, I'm mm. by myself in the shop. Yeah. And so for me, like going on live, I suddenly have coworkers and people to talk to. And yeah. I don't know, I do, I do really love uh, the audience that we have at Sweet Darling and the people that follow us and engage. And so, yeah, I find it really enjoyable. That's so cool. Do you find with your audience on Instagram and TikTok, like it's quite, they're quite different? Yes. I actually, so I'll be honest, I had a lot of anxiety around going live on Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. So live on TikTok, I will literally just like turn my camera on at random times of the day on TikTok and just be like, what's up? Yeah. But on Instagram, I get super nervous or I did. I don't so much anymore. And I think it's because the expectation on the two apps is very different mm-hmm. and the audience is very different. So we have a much bigger following, obviously, on Instagram. But interestingly, generally speaking, I have more people actually watching my live on TikTok than on Instagram, like when I do them both at the same time. But yeah, yeah I definitely had some like some anxiety around that, but just because the audience is kind of different and their expectation. I think on TikTok, you kind of expect to see people live. I yeah. don't think you really expect that as much on Instagram. And I don't know anyone else in the like in the space that I'm in who does go live on Instagram or TikTok. And so like for me, I'm like, great opportunity. Like, let's seize it. Let's take it on. But yeah, especially with Instagram. I don't know anyone else who's doing that, right? So then I'm like putting myself out there as an outlier and to be, again, like to be weird and to be like, oh, why is that? Why is that that girl going live? Like, oh, what is she doing? Like, why is she, you know, like she doesn't even have a plan. Like how embarrassing or like, you know, and so like you're putting yourself out there for people to criticize you. But it's like, I also think about the people that follow me are there for a reason. And mm-hmm. it's, yeah, it's been, it's been positive. It's so true what you say, how different the platforms are. And again, not that I've gone live on either, but just even seeing the content people are putting out yeah, on TikTok versus Instagram. Instagram almost feels like it's a very, what's the word, like, yeah, pre-planned, very, you know, not aesthetic, but it's just a different vibe than TikTok. And I love that you've actually experienced sort of the both sides of, you know, the difference between the two. But it's so cool that, yeah, you've just gone, I'm going to do it. I don't care what people think. Yeah. I think, you know, it's interesting. I know that people say that you should be posting different types of content on both platforms. And I don't know how true or untrue that is because I just post the same thing on both. So if it's mm-hmm. good enough for Instagram, it's good enough for TikTok. If it's good enough for TikTok, it's good enough for Instagram. Because like I said, it is challenging. It is a lot of work. And I still have like an actual business to run that isn't social media based. You know, I've got to make yeah. products and I've got to talk to wholesalers. I've got to do all of that sort of stuff. So I don't have, personally, I don't have the like time to dedicate to having, you know, two different social media strategies, one for each platform. And so done is better than perfect. And so mm-hmm. I just post, I just post, I just send it. And cause you know, like, especially with reels, like the ones that I thought were going to do really well, don't. And like my most viewed TikTok, I nearly sent it to my friend, and was like, hey, is this too cringe? Like I was going to send it to her and be like, what do you think? Um, Because it was like a video of me eating a wagon wheel, which like also eating on camera is the worst <laughs> thing ever. And I do it weekly. Um, But, you know, I only sent it to her to be like, hey, is this too cringe? And then I was like, but so what if it is? Like no one's going to watch it. And so I just posted it and now it's my most viewed video. Isn't and that so, so funny? Again, it's like, it's all mind over matter. It's not that um the people that you follow or the people that you look up to 
who have businesses like, you know, that you're like, you know, like for me, like the businesses that I look up to, I don't think it's that these people, I mean, at least from my experience, it's not that you don't have the thought. Does that make sense? Like, it's not like I don't have the thought of like, oh, is this, is this too cringe? It's like, you just ignore the thought, like you mind over matter it, you just push through it, you just post it anyway. And so it's like, it's not like I don't have the thought of it's scary to go live on TikTok. Like I'm not, you know, like immune to that feeling, but it's just like doing it anyway. And so I think, I mean, I think in life in general, it's like, if something scares you or if something is challenging to you and you think you don't want to do it, it's probably a good sign that you should do it. Yes. I love that perspective because it is so true. And, And it's such a good highlight to say that, yeah, it's not that you don't think oh my god this is so scary like you're not yeah like you said immune to it but it's just having that courage to be like you know what fuck it I'm just gonna post Mm. it and and like it paid off because like you said that video that you were questioning is your most like viewed video I think it's good to just like post just just you know throw stuff at the wall and see what sticks because yeah the video that you think will go viral absolutely will not yeah and the video that you think is garbage will go viral yeah, And so I, I honestly think about that. Sometimes I'll have a video where I'm like, this is trash. And I post it and it does really well because there's something about that video. Maybe it's, you know, how honest I was about how the day actually went. Or maybe it's because, you know, just like it's actually quite funny because it, it is a bit of a fail or whatever. But there's yeah. a lot of reasons why a video isn't good to me. Like I'm like, this is a crap video to me because I'm holding myself to this like standard and this like idea of like what I want to create. And then there's a different perspective that the audience has. And I think that there's something in that idea of like, it's not, it's not how you see it. It's not how you want it to be perceived. It's how your audience sees it. And Mm -hmm. so does that make sense? I think there's Mm -hmm. something in there around like posting to content, posting your content and stuff. It's like, you're not posting for you. You're posting for your audience. And so don't ask yourself if you like it. Cause I don't like any videos of me eating on camera. Mm -hmm. I don't like a single one of them. Hate it. Absolutely hate it. But my audience loves it because they want to see what's inside the product. They want to see, they want me to tell them what it tastes like. Yeah. And you're so honest with, you know, your reactions and just showing up and being, yeah, like I said, eating on camera. Yeah. So it's not about what you like. It's about what your audience likes. Because if I posted what I like, I definitely wouldn't post any videos of me eating. Yeah. I love that. I've, I, even that's like, so, you know, I've never really thought about it myself and I'm like, Hmm, I'm going to take that piece of advice and <laughs> I'm going to apply that next time I create something. And I'm like, mm, no, I'm not going to post that. Mm. I mean, I was talking to a friend of mine the other day. So she started posting to TikTok and she was like, yeah, I had these videos that I made and I took a two week gap, like break from posting because I made these videos. And I didn't think they were very good. And then I posted mm. them and they're like, all three of them have been my best performing videos. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so like how much post. content are we all sitting on that we think is crap that is actually really good? Exactly. It should definitely be out there. And so, yeah, I try really hard also to just, whatever, whatever's in my camera roll, if I can make it into a video, it's, it's on the internet. I love that. I need to start doing that myself, <laughs> especially on TikTok. It's hard. It's hard. <laughs> and that's the thing. I think being real about like, it's not, it's not that people are immune to this feeling of, you know, like it's hard or people that, you know, people aren't embarrassed or it's like, it's not about that. So like mm. if you're if you're embarrassed to post, so is everybody else. Mm-hmm. Like the people who are posting, same. And so like if you're waiting to not feel embarrassed to post, you're never going to post because, yeah, yeah, you know, we're hundreds of reels in, and I'm still embarrassed to post half the time. Yeah, and if it was easy, everybody would be doing it, and mm-hmm. you know, not everybody, you know, it would just be nothing special, really. 
yeah and like I think about that and I'm like this is the opportunity like if posting reels is hard if making content every single day is hard that is the best thing ever like that is great for you because if it's hard that means not everybody's going to do it and if not everybody's going to do it that means there's an opening and an opportunity for you like when things are hard I'm like yes because that means that uh, if I can push through the hard I can take full advantage you have such a great perspective on everything. Like I feel, I feel so inspired after this chat. Oh, thank you. Well, just to, to wrap things up, I guess mm-hmm. I know we've had you've shared a lot of like good snippets of advice and um, you know things that you've learned along the way. But I guess for people that are struggling or in their business right now, might be considering getting into business. Do you have any advice for them? I think that. My biggest piece of advice is that like business is mindset and it's like taking control of your thoughts because it will be really, 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 really hard. doesn't matter what business you start, doesn't matter how much money you have behind you, doesn't matter who you are, like it's going to be hard and you are going to fail, you're going to get criticism, like it's going to be awful basically. But also good, <laughs> but it is going to be really, really hard. And so I think it's all in your mindset and that's something that I work on all the time. And like, you know, the shop, like doing the renovation, that really rocked my mindset. You know, like I said, I had times of like decision paralysis because I wasn't, because, you know, like generally speaking, I'm someone who makes decisions very quickly, but it's because I let my mindset kind of slip. You know, I was overwhelmed and I was listening to what other people were telling me about how scary the thing I had taken on was and, you know, how, how close I was to failure and how worried they were about me. And I let that infiltrate. And so I think it's like, yeah, it's mindset. And I think it's like finding people to look up to Mm -hmm. and then, and finding things that inspire and motivate you and like circling back to it because nobody's motivated hundred percent of the time. No one's happy hundred percent of the time. No one's successful always. And so when you're unhappy, when things are really hard, when you like, I mean, I I can't say I've ever wanted to quit, but when other people are telling you, you should probably think about quitting and you're hearing that, what are you doing? How are you helping yourself? How are you getting yourself out of that? How are you reigniting the fire? How are you moving forward? And so like finding those things and basically like having them in your back pocket and returning to them. So, you know, there's this documentary on Netflix. I think it's called like The Last Dance. It's a Michael Jordan documentary. Yeah. I watched that like two or three times in the last, I've watched it probably, yeah, maybe four times in the last year. Yeah. Because I'm like, it really inspires me. I love Michael Jordan. You know, I've read The Obstacle is the Way many times in the last three years. I'm like, I return to, you know, like books and stuff. I listen to podcasts. I love the podcast, How I Built This. Yeah. But you know what I mean? Like, I feel like you've got to like find your like reserves. Like what, what is going to get you going again? And then when you're struggling, you go back to those things and you use those things to push yourself forward because you will struggle and it will be hard. So you need to identify like, who is it for you? Mm. Where do you get it from? And like, don't wait for it to come, go and find it go because it. you're, yeah, yeah you're going to struggle. Yeah. That's such a good reminder. Even for myself, like had to have that, like almost like a little bit of a toolbox full of things that you use for inspiration and motivation during yeah, those low times. Like, and disgusting I have so many quotes that I say to people where I'm like get in the bin lady no um you know like I have this quote that I love it's I think it's from the obstacle is the way and it's like a I think it's this is like that whole book is like based on the like stoics and their writings and things like Mm, that but it's like mm. this story about like not stopping three feet from gold and so it's this story about these 
actually it might not be from that book anyway but basically it's a story about these guys who they like find this like vein of gold and they're digging and digging and they think they're going to be so rich and then eventually they lose the they lose the line of the gold and if you know about gold like it grows in lines and then you you might like lose it for a couple of meters or you might it might be gone completely right like it could be the end mm-hmm. of the line so they lose it anyway they walk away and then someone else comes in and picks up from where they left off yeah and they were three feet from wow. like way more gold than they'd ever found and so it's like the idea of like when things get really 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 hard and you're just about to give up just like push through because you're so close and I think Mm. that's like the biggest thing is it's like whenever you think you're close to failure whenever you think you're done if you push over that like over that little like hill that's where the rest of it comes because that's where everyone else stops and again it's like it's about being the person that goes over the hill and so if it's really hard to get over the hill, then you're under something. And so you've just got to yeah. like find it. So you need to have those things in your back pocket that help you to get over the hill. So true. I'm going to come to you whenever I need some inspiration or <laughs> a motivational quote. But yeah. thank you for sharing all that. So where can people find you? So you can find us on Instagram and TikTok. It's sweet underscore Darlin and Darlin is spelled D-A-R-L-N. Amazing. Well, I'll leave everything in the show notes anyway, but I definitely think you should go check out Sweet Darlin on TikTok, Instagram, and all your delicious, delicious treats that you have for sale online. I really, really loved our chat today. And again, I just find you so inspiring and motivating. So thank you for sharing everything with us. (laughs) Thank you so much. Thank you so much for joining me today. Don't forget, you can learn more about my free resources that will help you scale your business by going to my website, www.silkhyphendigital.com.au. And you can always find the links and resources mentioned in today's episode over there too. I would love for you to come say hi over on Instagram at silkdigital underscore. Thanks so much. And I'll see you in the next episode.